welcome to today's edition of Worcester Talking News, brought to you by Worcester News and Equipment for the Blind, with permission of the Worcester News, and recorded on Thursday the 4th of January 2024, here at Colin Chance House. I'm Evelyn Brock, editor for this edition, and with me to read for you are Moira Lowe, Penny Welford, Richard Pugh and Alex Gwynn, our engineer. And of course we are, as usual, ably supported by the admin team, led by Carol Hartle. A warm welcome to you all. And especially for this recording, of course, a very happy new year to all our listeners, especially new ones. I do hope it'll be a good one for everyone. I hope you'll enjoy this week's offering. In addition to news items, you'll hear some useful telephone numbers, birthdays and thought for the week. Nowadays, obituaries are placed following the closing music. So if you wish to hear them, please stay tuned then. Don't forget that recordings are usually available as podcasts. But, at present, talking books are not available on memory sticks, but rather on CDs and tape. Also, do let us know your birthdays, so that we can greet you specially when the time comes. This service is free to users, but if you would like to make a voluntary donation, it can be sent to Colin Chance House, Wilds Lane, Worcester WR5 1DA. We do like hearing from you and a message can be left on our answer phone. Worcester, that's 01905 767766. Or you could add a note to your wallet. If there's a problem with any aspect of your receiving recordings, please use the answer phone facility on the number I've just given and leave a message to that effect. So, off we go then, and we're starting with Penny reading the thought for the week. The thought for the week is from Psalm 92, verses 1 to 5. A psalm, a song for the Sabbath day. It is good to praise the Lord and make music to your name, O Most High, proclaiming your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night to the music of the ten-stringed lyre and the melody of the harp. For you make me glad by your deeds, Lord. I sing for joy at what your hands have done. How great are your works, Lord! How profound your thoughts! Thank you, Penny. Richard, will you please read us a sports article now? Well, yes, I think it's very appropriate that we should uh, kick off a new year to recognise the testimonial year for Mr Leach of the Worcestershire County Cricket Team. And he's featured on the uh, back page of Thursday, January 4, with the headline, Loyalty Rewarded. Leach is set to launch 2024 testimonial year and by the way, there's a wonderful photograph of, of him clearly having just taken a wicket uh, during one of the games. 
A long-serving Worcestershire all-rounder Joe Leach launches his 2024 testimonial year at New Road next month. There will be a gala captain's dinner in the Graham Hick Pavilion to support Leach on Friday, February the 9th, 7 for 7.30. A three-course meal reminiscing with six county captains past and present, spanning more than 50 years, and music from a live band will kick off the 12 months in style. Norman Gifford, Phil Neal, Tim Curtis, Daryl Mitchell, Leach himself, and current club captain Brett D'Oliveira will relive some of the glorious moments in the county's history. Gifford played in three championship winning sides at New Road. Neil skippered Worcestershire to six trophies in five years, and Curtis led them to the 1994 NatWest Trophy at Lords. Mitchell and Leach and D'Oliveira all captain teams to county championship promotion. They will be interviewed in pairs by radio cricket commentator Frank Watson, who is also the chair of Leach's testimonial committee. Tickets are £60 each, or £550 for a table of 10, and can be obtained via the club's website. There will also be an auction, with several items of sporting memorabilia and other packages available to bid for during the evening. Leach has been a loyal and impressive performer for Worcestershire during the past decade, particularly with the ball in picking up 450 first-class wickets so far. There will be many more events to follow during the next 12 months. Meanwhile, ex-county captain Neil is due to be Worcestershire Cricket Society's guest speaker on Tuesday, January the 9th in the Graham Hick Pavilion at 730 Neil, the last to play professional cricket and football regularly, led the club to two county championship titles, two Sunday league titles, the Benson Hedges Cup and the Refuge Assurance Cup between 1987 and 1991. He made his county debut in 1975 and went on to play for 17 years with 10 as captain. When he retired in 1992, Neil had scored 17,445 first-class runs at an average of 36.49, with 2,800s and 89.50s. He is 11th on the list of all-time run scorers, scoring 1,000 runs in a season eight times. Neil also scored 7,253 list A runs at 30.22, with two centuries and 32.50s. He led England under-19s to glory in the 1998 World Cup and coached Warwickshire and Northamptonshire before becoming operations manager for the England men's team for two decades. Neil mainly played football for Lincoln City. Thank you, Richard. And now, Moira, will you please read the birthdays? OK, so on the 6th of January... Raymond Harborn and Jean Edwards on the 8th of January Sandra Clinton and on the 9th Pippa Curtis and Douglas Golby so happy birthday for when we reach those dates yes happy birthday to all right 
So next we'll have the headline articles and Moira is to start us with those for last Friday. So um, my headline is PC injured by drug suspect in struggle. A suspected drug dealer was sprayed by police as he struggled during his arrest with an officer's thumb hurt after the suspect slammed a car door on it. Officers targeted a vehicle parked in Shrubbery Avenue in Worcester at around 9am this morning, seizing drugs and cash and making an arrest after a struggle. Despite his injuries, the officer remained on duty. More than £5,000 in cash has been recovered. DI Dave Knight of West Mercia Police said, South Worcestershire Proactive CID continue to target drug dealers nationally in order to protect the public of South Worcestershire from the dangers associated with drug dealing. A little after 9am this morning, officers from the team targeted a vehicle parked on Shrubbery Avenue, Worcester. A 27-year-old male from Comberton Road, Kidderminster, was arrested from the vehicle for being in possession of Class A drugs with intent to supply. The individual struggled with police and an officer injured his thumb after the suspect shut his car door on it. Officers deployed PAVA spray in order to subdue the suspect and bring him into custody. A significant amount of suspected Class A drugs was found with the individual on arrest and during subsequent searches at an address linked to him. The male is being held at Worcester Police Station. He said of the injured officer, The officer has remained on duty and unfortunately this is not the first injury that the team have suffered whilst protecting the public from the danger of Class A drug supply. The public rightly expect to be protected from those that would do them harm. And whilst individuals insist on preying on weaker members of society, the police will always present a wall of resistance to protect the vulnerable and bring offenders to justice. For the weekend uh, edition, the front page headline is Undercover Police Target Predators. The subheading of Officers to Keep New Year Revellers Safe. Pub landlords are expecting a bumper New Year party as undercover police tackle predators and work behind the scenes to keep revellers safe. Officers trained to spot the signs of predatory behaviour will be on duty over the weekend to help create a safer night out for all celebrating seeing in the New Year. Meanwhile, city pubs, including the Imperial Tavern in Worcester, are expecting an even busier trade on New Year's Eve than usual as people put the COVID-19 pandemic well and truly behind them. Fred Jones, landlord of the Imperial, said it's the busiest Christmas period we have ever had and we're expecting a busy New Year. I have spoken to fellow licensees and they have said pretty much across the board that is the case. It has been a bumper Christmas, absolutely, from the Victorian Christmas Fair right the way through until the New Year. We have a capacity for 110 people. It has been absolutely manic. We have been full to the rafters all day. For the first time since pre-Covid, everyone is going for it. Although New Year can sometimes see people drinking too much, Mr Jones said he does not see any trouble at the Imperial and they were one of the few pubs that did not employ door staff. They have a ticket-only event on New Year's Eve with DJ Jay, 
uh, playing some classic and popular party songs to help his regulars see in the new year. He said the rest of January could go on one of two ways, but that over the last two years the level had been maintained and he was optimistic. The police operation involves plainclothed police, specially trained in behavioural detection, visiting pubs and clubs in Worcestershire and Herefordshire and Shropshire to identify individuals who may be displaying concerning behaviour. If they spot anyone, they will call on uniformed colleagues to intervene to help prevent any criminal offences taking place. The tactic, funded for by the Safer Streets 5 initiative granted to West Mercia Police and Crime Commissioner, has been shown to reduce violence against women and girls and aims to create a safer nighttime economy for all. Superintendent Edward Hancocks, Head of Prevention at West Mercia Police, said In the run-up to Christmas, plainclothed police officers specially trained to spot the signs of predatory behaviour carried out patrols throughout pubs and clubs in our towns and cities with great success. We know that most people go out and enjoy their evening without the need to cause any trouble. It is only a small minority who do create an unsafe environment for others by causing issues. Our message to those people who very much we're looking out for you and we will take action. Right, the headline article for Monday, January the 1st, New Year's Day. Dedicated teacher, quotes, humbled by New Year's honour. MBE for services to education. A dedicated teacher who has improved the lives of some of the most vulnerable children across the country is among those from Worcestershire being recognised in the New Year's honours. Sarah Vaughan, the deputy head teacher of Perryfield's primary pupil referral unit in Worcester, has been awarded an MBE in His Majesty the King's list for services to education. The teacher leads Perryfield's work for the Department for Education National Behaviour Hubs programme, which supports schools as far afield as Kent and Carlisle to improve their behaviour culture and develop their inclusive practice. After hearing the news, she said, I am humbled and very honoured to be receiving this award and I feel very lucky to have worked with amazing colleagues over the years. I love my job at Perryfields and feel incredibly fortunate to meet and collaborate with inspirational people in supporting similar schools across the country. Pete Hines, head teacher of Perryfield, said, I am absolutely delighted that the incredible impact Sarah is having in schools across the county has been recognised in this way. Her skill, dedication and hard work are an inspiration to us all. Trudy Burlett of Worcester receives an MBE for service to midwifery. 
were reported on Trudy last year when she received a gold award from NHS England, the highest honour of NHS England's National Chief Nursing and Chief Midwifery Officer Awards. This honour is a huge surprise and a privilege, she said. I'm hugely grateful to be nominated. Sarah Shingler, Chief Nursing Officer at Worcestershire Acute Hospitals NHS Trust, said, I am so pleased that Trudy has been honoured in this way, recognising the amazing care that she has delivered and continues to deliver. She is a dedicated and passionate midwife. Andrew Grant Duncan of Worcester has received an OBE for services to the community in Worcestershire. Mr Duncan, who qualified as a solicitor in 1970, served as a chairman of governors at Malvern Girls College, a governor at the Elms School in Colwall, Abberley Hall School and the University of Worcester, as well as under-sheriff for the county of Worcester. He was also appointed as Deputy Lieutenant for Worcestershire in 2006. Others receiving honours are Suzette Davenport of Worcester, Chairperson of the National Driver Offending Retraining Scheme, awarded an MBE for services to road safety. Susan Hornby of Malvern, the co-founder and head teacher of the Bridge School Malvern, awarded an MBE for services to disadvantaged children. Keith Wynne Sorrell of Worcester, Chief Executive Officer of Windsor Academy Trust, awarded an MBE for services to education. Karen Humphreys of Worcester, Assessor and Duke of Edinburgh Award Manager at Nunnery Ward High School, Worcestershire. Awarded BEM for services to young people. The Lord Lieutenant of Worcestershire, Beatrice Grant, said, I am delighted Worcestershire residents have been recognised. In awarding these honours, the King is recognising the achievements of people from all walks of life for the work they do either in public life or within their communities. These are the people who really make a difference to the lives of those around them, and I send them my sincere congratulations. The edition for Tuesday, January the 2nd, has on the front page a, a photo of a swollen and fast-moving River Severn. And the headline reads... Hero jumped into freezing water. Dad rescues woman from flooded river. A brave new dad has spoken of the shocking moment he rescued a woman from freezing flood water when he saw her floating down the river. Colin McGarver was walking his dog on Hilton Road near the Sabrina Bridge in Worcester when he saw the woman at around 9am yesterday. Initially, he thought the woman in the water was a mannequin as she lay motionless. Despite the flood warning in, in force and the fast-flowing water, Mr McGarver swam out to save her life. The 31-year-old said, I looked closer and realised it was a real person. I thought she was dead. 
I was shouting, hello, but there was no response. Then I saw her move slightly and her eyes opened. That's when I realised she's not dead. I looked around, but nobody was around. I tried to flag down a passing car. It didn't stop. The owner and director of Purple Cactus Properties, a property and letting agent, spotted an older woman and asked her to look after his German shepherd, Kuma. At the same time, he took off his coat and went into the water with the safety ring, swimming out towards the woman, estimated to be in her fifties. Although the woman on the bank warned him not to go in, he felt compelled to act. Mr McGarver fears the woman may have broken her arm when his dog pulled her over. Now he wants to contact her to make sure she's okay and express his thanks to her for what she did. Describing the rescue, he said, the water was freezing. I just had to do it. There was no second thought. I'm absolutely fine, though I'm getting a bit emotional talking about it now. I just grabbed her and dragged her to the side. I had the ring in my left arm and I grabbed her with my right and pulled her towards the ring. Another guy was helping me. I just want both women to be okay. He said another dog walker helped him to get the woman out of the water near the bridge before the emergency services arrived on the scene. Mr McGarver returned home to Hilton Road to put on warm clothes and he said his partner had also been quite shaken by what had happened, especially as they now have an 11-month-old son. It was a bit of a shocking start to 2024. I feel really bad about what happened to both women, he said. A spokesperson for Hereford and Worcester, Worcester Fire and Rescue Service said a boat crew and a fire engine attended the scene, but the woman was already out of the water by the time the crews arrived. It is understood the woman was taken to hospital. We have previously reported how a police car was parked on blue lights in Grandstand Road earlier this morning, which is connected to the incident. Mr McGarver would like to make contact with the woman who looked after his dog and make sure she is OK. He can be contacted through the Worcester News by emailing jc at worcesternews.co.uk. OK, so this is yesterday's headline. A lot of relief after Bingo Club rescued. A bingo club, together with 15 city jobs, have been saved as the new owner says he is determined to bring the fun back to Worcester. Majestic Bingo's Worcester branch on Derwent Close in Brickfields was in administration until it was acquired by the Real Fun Group before Christmas. Majestic continued to trade, but now staff and customers have the best Christmas and New Year's present imaginable after it was bought by the company, saving 143 jobs, including 15 at Worcester. The new owner, Kevin McGinnicle, Chief Executive of Real Fun Group, the company which has acquired the local bingo hall, said he took over Majestic on December the 21st. He said, Majestic Bingo Limited entered administration back in the summer, putting over 130 jobs at risk across the estate. Well, after working tirelessly to strike a deal with the administrator, we've managed to rescue the business. The 36-year-old said, There's a lot of relief and happiness from staff. A lot of people go to the club. It's their support network. They have got their friends there and they socialise there.
Mr McGinnigal, who is originally from near Liverpool, comes from a family of regular bingo players. He says he intends to keep Majestic as it is now, with no immediate plans to change the name, describing bingo as close to my heart. It's the heart of the community. We want to bring the fun back into bingo, and the only way we can do that is to become part of the community. We have a few ideas and plans. We want to make it fun and to give something back to the community, he said. We previously reported how Interpath Advisory, appointed to handle the administration, said Majestic had been profitable but had been badly hit by the pandemic. The administrators said they would continue to trade the venues as a going concern while they explored the options. Majestic Bingo was one of the leading independent UK operators of retail bingo, with eight clubs spanning across England and Wales. Majestic Bingo had branches in Skegness, Tony Pandy, Bishop Auckland, Donnington, Camborne, Rill and Carnarvon. New owners, Real Fun Group, are hoping to become a prominent player in the UK's independent bingo sector, following the acquisition of eight bingo clubs and their freeholds from Majestic Bingo out of administration. The deal expands the group's portfolio to a total of 10 such clubs throughout England and Wales, while safeguarding the employment of more than 140 individuals. Majestic Bingo Limited entered administration on July 7, 2023, overseen by Tim Bateson and Chris Pohl from Interpath Advisory as joint administrators. Bateson said, Having been appointed in July 2023 and traded the business for nearly six months, we are absolutely delighted to have achieved this going concern sale, which not only will see all eight venues continue to trade, but which also both safeguards the employment of 140 people and ensures continuity for the communities which these clubs serve. We would like to extend our thanks to the many stakeholders who have provided support to the administration team since our appointment, including customers, suppliers and Majestic's dedicated staff. Their support has enabled us to conclude this transaction, which will enable the business to continue under new ownership. The Chief Executive of Real Fun Group added, I'm incredibly excited by this opportunity. This was a well-run business that was hit with devastating luck over the last few years and I can't wait to work with the team. To sit here today knowing we're able to keep so many people in work is an unbelievable feeling. For uh, today's evening Worcester News, we have a rather lovely photograph of the centre of Worcester, in particular the cricket ground, which looks as though it could be rain-stopped play, I think uh, we could safely say. Um, but to indicate the depth of the water on the neighbouring playing fields, I noticed that the uh, water of the level is nearly up to the crossbar on the rugby f- uh, posts. That's quite deep. And it has the headline of flooding chaos. And... On page three, it continues, unusual rescue as floods hit county. A Worcestershire business made a dramatic rescue in the ultimate act of customer service after flooding hit the county yesterday. Gareth Keat of Oak Tree Shutters at Droitwich visited a flooded city road to remove patio shutters to ensure they wouldn't be damaged in flooded water. Mr Keats said, we fitted the unique shutters on windows last year. 
We always follow up with customers, but this was a new one on me. I mentioned to them when they were bought that if there was, if there is a risk of flooding, I can take them down. They are unique wooden shutters, so we visited the stranded customers at Waterworks Road. Mr Keats said despite it being waist height, it was quite safe to take the shutters off and take them away. There is no fast running water there, I am familiar with the road. If there was any danger, I wouldn't have done it. The unusual rescue took place on Wednesday morning, December the 3rd, as the city had woken up to realise the extent of the floods in the city, after Storm Hank had been the latest storm to bring heavy rain. A number of roads, bridges and car parks were closed across the county, including the Sabrina Footbridge and Nicholas Bridge. Among the city centre roads, forces closed due to being flooded were Hilton Road, Croft Road, and Tybridge Street. And below is a photograph, another aerial shot, saying underwater, Carrington Bridge, which I can assure you it wasn't underwater. And it clearly shows so in the photograph. Crowngate Car Park was initially open on Wednesday before becoming the latest car park to be closed by the City Council. A number of businesses have been forced to close, including Cafe Viaduct, Hickory's in Tybridge Street and Monkey Business in Crowngate Shopping Centre. A contraflow system was set up by Worcestershire Highways across Worcester Bridge to ensure traffic moved as freely as possible to and from St John's. Significant delays were expected on the A449 after part of the road closed due to flooding. The road that links Worcester and Morven was running a contraflow at Poick Roundabout and had two-way traffic on Cromwell Restaurant side. Slow-moving traffic with lengthy delays has been reported by the AA due to the road being blocked. One driver said, It is heavily backed up towards Callow End and Morven. The water is really high. The emergency services continue to warn people not to attempt to drive through flood water after carrying out various rescues across the country and the wider Midlands in recent days. West Midlands Ambulance Service said an ambulance crew came across a car that had rolled over in flood water and was semi-submerged in a stream at the junction of the A4103 and the B4214 in Bishop's Froome near Morven. A teenager on a bike was also rescued from flood water in Newport Street, Worcester, in the early hours of Wednesday morning after getting stuck. Flood warnings issued by the Environment Agency remained across the river on Wednesday afternoon, December the 1st. The Environment Agency had said that the River Severn was set to peak on Wednesday afternoon, but that was changed to Thursday morning after more rain fell at lunchtime. The Met Office forecast for the coming days is for a dry day on Thursday, most of Friday. It is also set to be dry over the weekend, but the forecast is for it to get colder. So now we'll move on to the only letter page of this week, and I'll read the first letter. And it's from Claire Wood on behalf of the staff and volunteers at RSPCA Worcester and Mid-Worcestershire branch. 
Dear Editor, as we approach the end of what has been our busiest and most challenging year, which has seen more than 500 animals come through our doors, we would like to extend our thanks to all of our supporters, many of whom are readers of the Worcester News. Also, we would like to thank your newspaper for all of the articles and coverage you've shared, helping us to spread the word about our work. Wishing your team and your readers all the very best for 2024. The next letter is from Brendan Ellis. Dear Editor, how greedy some have become. Junior doctors, the latest to join dentists and train drivers. We would all like a little bit more money. But these strikers are ruining our day-to-day -day lives. They are chasing an unfeasible pay rise. People may well die without a doctor being available. They take an oath to always care for their patients. OK, so I've got the final letter. This is from David Barry. Uh, dear Editor, in our busy world, the Christmas celebrations are often a rare opportunity for each of us to reflect upon not only our past year, but also the one yet to come. Perhaps some of us also make New Year resolutions, which, if not too ambitious, we may actually keep. This year, the King's message drew attention to the climate challenge we are all facing, and it got me thinking. In the December 22 issue of the Malvern Gazette, there featured a story headed alternative meat can help environment. Apparently, animal agriculture accounts for some 20% of all greenhouse gases. That's a lot of gas, a lot of damage. In the 1950s, when I was a boy, in general, meat consumption was far lower than today's intake. A chicken was a luxury, and a Sunday joint had to be eked out in imaginative ways over successive days. Further back in Victorian times, unless you were rich, the only day our great-grandparents could afford to enjoy meat was the Sunday lunch. The government's own figures show that in 1904, the average household spent some 60% of its budget on food. By 1947, this had dropped to 40%, while today it is a mere 11%. As a result of the fast food culture, it is predicted the millennial generation not only will have a shorter life than their parents, but in addition they will experience more ill health. A combination of these factors gave me an idea that could help the planet by cutting the methane, relieve the beleaguered overstretched NHS, cause our grandchildren to thank us, and also do ourselves a huge favour. If we can reduce our daily meat consumption... Instead, eating the traditional sources of protein, pulses, grains, nuts and seeds, and more recently qualm, also sampled the wide choice of any number of the more recent tasty and appealing alternatives that proliferate on the supermarket shelves. Happy New Year. Thank you, Moira. Well, now we'll move on to the general articles from this week. And I'm going to ask Richard to start us off with a sad account of the loss of a national treasure, someone very, very much connected with Worcester. 
Richard. Indeed, I'm proud to do this one. Um, a book of condolence in memory of a beloved porcelain expert, television personality and curator has been opened at a city museum. The Museum of Royal Worcester has opened a book of condolence in memory of museum patron and Worcester porcelain expert Henry Sandon, MBE. Mr Sandon died peacefully on Christmas morning, aged 95, and tributes continue to pour in for him. Tributes have been arriving from around the world in honour of his life, personality and passion for pots, Worcester and music. The museum has opened a book of condolence for visitors where people are invited to share their recollections. Mr Sandon was curator of the museum for 16 years, from 1967 to 1983, where he worked alongside many of Royal Worcester's skilled artists and craftsmen, whose pride in their work and exceptional traditional artistry made a huge impression on him. A museum spokesman said, in his own inimitable way, Henry immersed himself in factory life and became a world-renowned expert on the history and production of Worcester porcelain. Over the years, he secured for the museum's collection some of the most important historic examples of Worcester porcelain ever made, including the Vargonia cream jug and the Sarah Siddons plate. He furthered our understanding of the factory's history and the field of pottery and porcelain generally through his many books, which he continued to be an continued to be indispensable reference works today. These are based not only on his research into the museum's collection and archives, but on his pioneering archaeological excavations, especially of the first Worcester porcelain factory site at Wormstree House. He loved nothing better than to share his knowledge and enthusiasm for pots and joined BBC One's Antiques Roadshow in 1979, where his infectious laugh, charisma and expertise made him one of their most popular presenters. Henry also lectured extensively, and the museum files were full of copies of the letters he wrote to people all over the world in reply to requests for advice and information about their piece of Worcester porcelain. Museum of Royal Worcester Director Sophie Heath said, Henry will be fondly remembered by museum staff, trustees, volunteers and visitors. Here in the midst of the collection he loved, added to, researched and shared with so many. His son John Sandon, also an authority on Worcester porcelain and a BBC Antiques Roadshow expert, continues as a museum trustee and an advocate sharing Worcester's porcelain stories and magnificent heritage. John recently attended the opening of the museum's new sensory trail was able to share news of that with Henry, who loved to be kept updated with developments at the museum. Can I also add that this tribute refers to his love of music he was, in fact, uh, for many years, a bass lay clerk in the Worcester Cathedral Choir, where he established quite a reputation. 
and I remember the privilege of singing with him when he came back to help raise money for the cathedral choir's tours. And it was a wonderful evening, a great experience of working with him. Thank you, Richard, for that personal insight to a very great man. The next article is again about the tithing in Barborn. It seems to me that the roads in Barborn and the tithing in particular are constantly having to be dug up for something. And at the moment, it is a collapsed sewer. Drivers are facing long delays because of roadworks caused by a collapsed sewer in the city, which is now being repaired. There have been traffic delays on the tithing and upper tithing in Barbourne in Worcester, as Seven Trent Water STW roadworks are underway on a collapsed sewer. Delays are expected to last well into the new year meaning delays for drivers returning to work. STW has apologised for the disruption and warned drivers and pedestrians the roadworks will remain there over the Christmas period. The work at Upper Tithing and Back Walk is expected to last until January the 19th. Traffic management is in place with traffic control two-way signals as the lane near Machine Mart is coned off. One driver speaking on Thursday said there was traffic queuing back along Castle Street because of the lane closure and temporary lights. I could see workmen and a digger on site. I noticed drivers turning left onto the A38 near Salon 54, Britannia Square, were struggling to get out onto the main road. Because of heavy rain, the traffic was moving even more slowly than usual, which added to the delays caused by the lights. The sewer collapse happened on the A38, the tithing, not far from Machine Mart, with a lane closed. An STW spokesperson said repairs started on Wednesday. Matt Jeans, STW team manager, said we're sorry for any disruption caused by a collapsed sewer pipe on the A38 while we've temporarily had to close a lane of traffic. While we've made sure that traffic can still flow in both directions along the tithing ahead of Christmas, we know that lane closures are frustrating, so we want to thank everyone for their patience. We also know this is a busy, well-used route in the city, so we've planned our repairs to begin after Christmas to minimise any disruption and we'll work closely with our working partners to manage this over the next few days with an aim of having everything back to normal as quickly as possible. Penny. The article I have is a planning and politics review of the year. We look back at the most read stories from 2023. Now, I it's month by month. I should just select one from each month. And for January, one of the most read stories was The year got off to an exciting start when the council revealed a new walking and cycling route as the first part of its multi-million pound transformation of the city's Shrub Hill area. 
The route was through the heart of the Shrub Hill Industrial Estate, between Shrub Hill Railway Station and St Martin's Quarter, and would run between the bus depot and retail park, through Cromwell Street and across the canal towards Shrub Hill Station, instead of via Padmore Street towards Lowesmoor. It was part of plans by Worcester City Council and Worcestershire County Council to improve Shrub Hill. For February, Worcester City Council cut ties with the operator of its car park payment machines after hundreds of drivers were overcharged. Bosses at Worcester City Council informed Flowbird, which ran the machines on its behalf, that it has terminated its deal after a string of problems, including the previous year's glitch, which resulted in almost £400,000 being taken in error from more than 15,000 sessions at the 14 council-owned car parks across the city. This meant more than 1,500 drivers were overcharged for parking, with some seeing hundreds of pounds taken from their bank accounts after being charged multiple times. And story from March. Fed up Cranham Court residents contacted their local councillor after being plagued by loutish behaviour. They said among the problems they suffered was litter in the car park, people jumping off flat stairwells, youths joyriding in a stolen fold-up wheelchair last October and a couple having noisy sex in the communal area, as well as youngsters climbing on sheds. And a story from April were featured plans for a new Costa Coffee drive through on the outskirts of the city were branded utter madness in April. People objecting to the plans for a drive through coffee shop in Poick were worried there would be an increase in crashes if it was given the green light. Plans were for a drive through coffee shop on Malvern Road on vacant land next to the Crown Inn pub. There's no comment on whether the plan went through or not. For May, the cash-strapped City Council considered charging for entry to the annual Worcester Show to boost funds. The event, which is held every August at the city's Pitchcroft Racecourse, attracts 10,000 visitors. The plan was a suggestion to fill a growing gap in its budget after a £1.7 million gap in its books had to be filled by using reserves. In the end, visitors to the show were asked for a donation instead. In June... It was agreed that more than 50 homes would be built in a village after the council's rejection was overturned by government inspector. Malvern Hills District Council turned down a plan to build 52 homes in Markley near Worcester last year, but a government inspector said it could go ahead after overriding council planners. For July, the caravan that wasn't. A man was ordered to demolish the home he had built in his back garden without planning permission after failing to convince the council it was a caravan. Worcester City Council ruled an application by Dr Hader Ghazi at Altwater for a caravan that was built in the back garden of his home in Rendale Drive, Worcester, was unlawful and ordered him to demolish it. For August, the party that was too popular... A city centre party was cancelled over fears it might prove too popular. Neighbourhood had organised a street party in Worcester's Copenhagen Street on Saturday, August the 12th. 
but the council turned down the licence over fears it would be too popular. However, there were no hard feelings from the organisers and owners of Neighbourhood who said they would work with the council to build a bigger event for 2024. September, too many coffee shops. In September, coffee shop owners sounded the alarm after plans to open another new Starbucks was approved by the council. Starbucks were given permission by Worcester City Council to move into Shrub Hill Retail Park in a unit left empty by Carphone Warehouse five years ago. But Francini Osorio, owner of Francini Café de Colombia in Angel Street, said multinational coffee chains did not offer anything unique compared to the city's independence. And Andy Reynolds, owner of Jack's Coffee in the city centre's Reindeer Court, said a fixation on brands meant many of the city's young people turned to Starbucks for coffee instead of independence. For October, success for City's Greens. Meanwhile, the City's Greens enjoyed another successful day at the polls as the party tightened its grip on power in the Guildhall. Katie Collier became the latest Green councillor to join Worcester City Council after she earned a nearly 400-vote win against the Conservatives in the Warnton Parish South Ward in October. The by-election was held in the ward following the death of long-standing and popular Tory councillor Andy Roberts in August. From November, new micro-pub for City Centre. A new micro-pub also opened in November... The Cocky Anchor welcomed its first load of customers aboard its Broad Street pub. The watering hole is in the historic Grade 2 listed building on Broad Street, which used to house Foam Guru and is opposite Weatherspoons. And finally, for December, Keypax Bridge takes shape. In December, new photos showed how high the city's newest bridge would tower over a city park. The Keypax Bridge pylon has now been lowered into place by two huge cranes as work continues on the project and people got a clearer idea of what it will look like when finished. OK, I can't really follow that. Um, a woman suffered only minor injuries after her car flipped onto its roof on a residential street during a, a dramatic crash in the city which closed the road. The crash happened shortly before noon in Aswood Road in Worcester on New Year's Day. A dramatic photo showed the cream-coloured mini on its roof in the road with broken glass strewn all over the carriageway. The road had to be closed in the aftermath of the incident, but the woman was able to get herself out of the mini, which suffered damage to the front, back and roof. She did not need to be treated in hospital after she was assessed at the scene as a passing ambulance crew stopped to help. A spokesperson for the West Midlands Ambulance Service said, A passing-by ambulance crew came across a single-car road traffic collision at 11.58am on Monday on Aswood Road, Worcester. Upon arrival, we found a woman who was the driver of the car. She had sustained injuries believed to be minor and received self-care advice before being discharged at the scene. A spokesperson for Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service said a crew from Worcester Fire Station was called at 11.46am to make vehicles safe after an RTC in Aswood Road, Worcester, which was closed due to the incident. He added, two cars had been in collision on the roadway with one on its roof. No persons were trapped and crews made the scene safe. 
One female casualty had self-extricated from the vehicle before the arrival of the fire service and was being assessed by the ambulance service, who attended along with police. The incident was parked as pending closure at 12.20pm. A spokesperson for West Mercia Police said, On Tuesday, we were called to Aswood Road shortly after 11.50am yesterday morning, January the 1st, following a single vehicle collision. Nobody was injured and no arrests were made. Well, that's confusing because one emergency service said there were two cars and one said there was a self-collision. So uh, make your own mind up there, I think. On Thursday, we find a, a rather cheery photograph of a load of people covered in bubbles who apparently are taking part in a bubble rush under the headline... How can, how you can help support charity? Do something amazing and help us provide vital care for local children with life-limiting conditions. That's the New Year's resolution the public are being asked to make for Acorns Children's Hospice in 2024. There are lots of ways people can make a difference, from volunteering to fundraising joining an event or simply making donations to, to ensure, quote, we are stronger together, quote, in continuing lifeline care for children and supporting their families across Worcester. Vicky Rolls, Director of Fundraising at Acorn, said, we need your help. The new year is the perfect time to make a resolution to give something back. And by supporting Acorns, you'll be helping us to be there for children who need us the most. You can meet new people by volunteering in one of our shops. Keep fit by taking part in a fun run. Find great bargains by rummaging through our rails. Or you can do good and feel good by simply supporting Acorns in any way you can and telling people of the vital work we do. Take part in fundraising events such as Glow Walk, the Great Birmingham Fun Run and Half Marathon, Bubble Rush, the Great Wall of China Trek, the Birmingham Running Festival, a sunrise trek on the highest peaks of, in Wales, or even a once-in-a-lifetime trek across the volcanic landscape of Iceland. And you are invited to contact uh, their website, which is www.acorns.com. Dot org, dot uk, oblique events. Volunteering with Acorns makes a huge difference whether it is at the charity's three hospices or in retail shops across the region. Businesses can also get involved by partnering with the charity or by joining the Acorns Business Club. You can also leave a gift in your will or make a donation to remember someone special. There are numerous ways you can donate, such as a one-off gift or a regular donation. You can also donate pre-loved items to Acorn shops, which is crucial for keeping shelves fully stocked. Vicky added, Do something amazing and help us provide vital care for local children with life-limiting conditions. Change your life and give something back by supporting Acorns in 2024. And we'd be delighted and so grateful for your time and generosity. 
It will make a huge difference to the children and families we help. And we'll be there to support you every step of the way. With you, we are stronger together. Acorns Children's Hospices provides specialist palliative care for children and young people with life-limiting and life-threatening conditions and support for their families. In the past year, the charity has cared for more than 750 children across Birmingham and the wider West Midlands, and almost 1,000 families, including those who are bereaved. Acorn needs around £30,000 each day to provide its children hospice care, with two-thirds of that amount coming from generous donations and fundraising by the local community. Find out how you can help Acorns in 2024 by visiting www.acorns.org.uk oblique get hyphen involved. Well, dear listeners, they say the old jokes are the best. And the headline for this extract from Worcester articles um, of history is Monks with Bad Habits at New Year Party. Six centuries later, it might seem unlikely, but back in the 1500s, the best New Year's Eve party in town took place in Worcester Cathedral Priory. The last of the priors, William Moore, reigned over a religious community whose strict rules of life had relaxed to the extent the jovial monks had come to understand very well the good things in life. They kept a small army of cooks and kitchen menials, and no expense was spared when it came to filling their tables with the richest food. The church was a grand landlord, and most of its county tenants paid in game, venison or rabbits by the hundred. At the time, Worcester was a very important and fortified city, having the only bridge across the Severn between Gloucester and Bridgenorth, and so was used to welcoming many distinguished travellers. Hospitality abounded, and the Priory was at the centre of it, especially from Christmas Eve to New Year, when there were decorations of holly and ivy, but no mistletoe for that was associated with heathenism. The roistering began after Evensong on Christmas night, when the prior and his brethren welcomed the city bailiff and his corporation, dressed in scarlet gowns, to a grand feast in the priory's Geston Hall, which had been built in 1320 for the monks to entertain visitors and guests. The tables groaned under the weight of boars' heads, numerous dishes of venison, game, dumplings, peacock pie and the like. Also served were oranges, then a costly imported delicacy. 
The food was accompanied by eight or nine varieties of sticky ales or wines, some so thick that the guests filtered them through their teeth. <laughs> Should any important lady be staying at the Priory, not an uncommon event on the only road into Wales, a special dish of wafers or sweetmeats was prepared by the prior's cook, while there was a dish of mince pies for ye boys. Dear listeners, there is a box of mince pies for ye readers on our table as we speak. Presumably, the boys referred to the cathedral choristers. Any leftovers or culinary failures were quietly conveyed to the occupants of the city prison which adjoined the priory. According to historian John Noke, the festivities continued right merrily until the new year, while on New Year's Eve there was another elaborate feast in the Geston Hall. The excuse if any were needed, being because the quantity of the prior's gifts from his tenants had been so great, it was necessary to consume them forthwith before they went off. Among the gifts he received were a hundred couple of rabbits from Hennick, deer from Battenhall, herons and peacocks from Hallow, pigeons from Crowell and rooks from the Packington estate at Hampton Lovett. However, the great days of monastic feasting were drawing to a close, as the dubious habits of the monks led to the great religious houses falling into decadence. The storm of the dissolution, which eventually saw the priory dissolved in 1540, was gathering pace. But canny old Prior Moore saw it coming. He retired to his manor at Crowell in 1535 and a rather quieter life. Penny. Well, before Penny, can I just add that the staff at the cathedral do not behave in such a manner in these modern times and were very well behaved and sober. Yeah, Thank okay. you, that's a relief to us all. <laughs> well, fast, fast forward to the 21st century and the next article, which is a very sober and serious comment and message from our current Bishop of Worcester, Bishop John Inge. And the headline is Making Sure We Love Our Neighbour with all the decadence and feasting behind us. Happy New Year! I hope and pray that this year will be a better one than last. Things seemed pretty grim at the beginning of 2023 as the Ukraine war limped on. But now, in addition to that, there is the ongoing nightmare of the war between Israel and Gaza, in which so many women and children are being killed, as well as a new catastrophe in Sudan and the continuing effects of the cost of living crisis here. 2024 is a crucial year for democracy, with elections here and in the USA. These elections, and others across the globe, will determine a great deal about the future of our world for years to come. To 
be able to vote in an election which is not rigged is a great gift and I hope everyone will use their vote and use it wisely and well. I believe that using our vote wisely and well means using it as a way of loving our neighbour as ourselves. And I pray that we may do everything we do with that in mind during this coming year. Well, I found another little letter um, from New Year's Day that um, is from Graham Lucas, the manager of Worcester Food Bank. And I think to, to grab attention is the picture of um, Castle Morton Primary School all in their nativity outfits, and it is very cute, to be fair. Um, this is a story of joy and hope from Worcester Food Bank. Firstly, we are joyful and thankful that Worcester people and organisations have continued their amazing support of Worcester Food Bank with donations of food and money. The last 12 months have been our busiest yet and in the build-up to Christmas, our food bank team were absolutely wonderful in helping us to provide food parcels, Christmas hampers and support to all who have turned to us in crisis, turning their frowns upside down. But there is also hope. Worcester Food Bank and food banks across the country continue to provide the support that is needed to fill the gap which exists because people do not have a living household income sufficient to pay for the household essentials. We and the Trust, the National Food Bank charity, continue to lobby government and all politicians for this to be put right. Our great desire is for food banks to be no longer needed. But the gap between the rich and poor seems to be just getting bigger. Policy proposals seem to be just focused on the needs of the party and not the people. Therefore, our hope is that in 2024 we will have the opportunity to address this. We plan to ask all the parliamentary candidates to be open and transparent about this issue. We will ask them to tell us what they plan to do, what action they plan and how they will address food poverty and the need for a living household income that enables people to afford the household essentials. We don't want to hear about political party rhetoric, i.e. not what they've been doing in recent times and how much they have invested in addressing this issue. Clearly from our experience and knowledge, this has not worked. Rather than this, we need to know what will be different in the future that will lead to the eradication of poverty and the need for food banks. In the meantime, a massive thank you to everyone who has supported us. You are all amazing. On January the 4th, we find a very smart photograph of the entrance to Worcestershire Parkway Railway Station with a large gathering of dignitaries and others uh, and holding us the number 544,270 presumably 544,270 and that line is major work celebrated Worcestershire County Council has marked another busy year of major infrastructure and highway work across the county from the 43 million funding announcement for improvements on the A38 in Bromsgrove to the completion of a brand new roundabout near Upton-upon-Severn, the Council's work has continued at pace over the past 12 months. Cabinet member with responsibility for economy, infrastructure and skills, Councillor Mark Bayliss said, 
we've seen some fantastic milestones achieved this year, including the completion of the works on the A38 oblique A4104 roundabout and sections of the Kipax Bridge beginning to be lifted into place. We've also seen £43 million worth of funding committed to improving the A38 in Bromsgrove and we have progressed the Shrub Hill Quarter and Redditch Station. I'd like to thank everyone involved in these important projects for their hard work and dedication. Keep up the good work and I look forward to seeing further achievements next year. As well as large-scale improvement projects, a major investment was also announced in the county's budget set for February 2023. Sorry, set in February 2023. The funding is set to help improve and maintain roads and footpaths. Cabinet member with the responsibility for highways and transport, Councillor Mike Rouse, said, In 2023, we've continued our investment into protecting and enhancing Worcestershire's highways and footways. In total, more than 120 miles of roads were treated as part of our surface dressing programme, and more than 18 miles of roads and 30 miles of paths have been resurfaced. We have also continued to make improvements to the active travel network across Worcestershire, which included the launch of a new active travel stakeholder group. I'd like to say a huge thank you to all the staff who have worked tirelessly on our highways over the last 12 months. Milestones achieved in 2023 included the Allscliff Cast Iron Footbridge near Coldstall, won a national award in February. The first active travel stakeholder group took place in May, bringing together more than 30 participants from different backgrounds to represent groups and organisations from across the county. The Keepax Bridge in Worcestershire started to take shape this year. Work was completed on the refurbishment of Porter's Mill Canal Bridge in Droitwich in June. Phase 5 of the future High Street Fund improvements of Worcester City Centre started in July. Funding was announced for the A38 Bromsgrove Route Enhancement Programme in August. The development of the Shrub Hill Quarter in Worcester was given the green light in October. For more information on the Council's major projects and highways work, visit www.worcestershire.gov.uk oblique major projects. It's unfortunate that the article does not actually mention what the photograph that heads the article refers to, so we don't know what the 544,270 is. Perhaps our listeners know better than we do. And now I could call the next article Worcester with International Connections. The heading is U.S. Crash Suspect Contacted by FBI. The FBI has contacted the family of a U.S. citizen who left the U.K. after being charged with causing a Malvern nurse serious injury by dangerous driving. Isaac Calderon, 22, is accused of being responsible for a car crash in July 
which left 56-year-old Elizabeth Donoghue unable to walk for six weeks. Calderon was due to appear at Kidderminster Magistrates Court on December the 1st, following the incident on the A4103 near Shucknell in Herefordshire. He was labelled a potential flight risk by police, but was able to leave the UK on a commercial flight to Texas on November the 25th. A fundraiser has since been set up on the crowdfunding site GoFundMe by the suspect's father, Manuel Calderon, in which the family are asking for US$15,000, £11,760, to help with legal fees. Calderon's father said the suspect was able to return to the US because the company that contracted him purchased him a ticket. Manuel Calderon said his son, whom he called Isaac, had been offered a contract job in the UK due to his security clearance with the Texas National Guard. West Mercia police told Ms. Donahue that Calderon had been carrying out work associated with the Secret Service and working on matters that might come under the Official Secrets Act. Miss Donahue from Malvern suffered multiple fractures in the crash, including both ankles, her sternum and her right hand. Police told her the extradition process has begun and the PA news agency understands there are no issues surrounding diplomatic immunity. Calderon's father said his son still had problems with concussion and a fractured humerus following the collision. In his plea for donations on the crowdfunding page, he said, My son was released from the contract job shortly after and could no longer support himself in the UK. He reported this to the court, but they were not concerned with his financial problems. My son was able to return home because the company that contracted him purchased him a ticket. He continued, missing his court date, the situation has spiralled, seek from a car accident, to my son being a government asset and being removed from the UK under diplomatic immunity, neither which is true. Due to this, his case is being compared to other cases where Americans have been saved by diplomatic immunity, which my son is not privy to. Ms. Donahue said that when explaining Calderon was a flight risk, police had cited the case of Anne Sakoulas, a US citizen who was able to leave the UK after diplomatic immunity was asserted on her behalf following a crash that killed teenage motorcyclist Harry Dunn. Mr. Calderon continued, My concern for my son was for his well-being since at the time he had no funds and still needed his injuries to be looked at. He said his son has been given medic medical insurance for his fractured humerus and concussion, but it will not kick in until next month. Addressing the reasons for setting up the crowdfunding page, Mr Calderon added, We have been contact contacted by the FBI. They're talking about extraditing him. We don't have funds for hiring international legal counsel. 
We've spoken with an attorney. Although his price is reasonable, we don't have the funds or know of someone who would give or lend us that amount of money. Calderon has been described by the US Embassy as a private citizen and police say he had been in the UK on a work visa. GoFundMe said the page has been taken down because it was against its terms of service. Well, the next story is purely local and it is living out uh, Bishop John's wish that we should all be loving our neighbour. And the headline is Presents for the Homeless. A care home worker has campaigned to support a Worcestershire homeless charity over Christmas. Lucy Haynes rallied local businesses and individuals to collect essentials for Mag's Day Centre, a charity assisting those experiencing homelessness. The campaign, A Christmas Present for the Homeless, saw businesses including Cooper's Cleans, The Punch Bowl at Worcester, and Prince of Wales in Warnden come together for a good cause. Donations, including toiletries, food and clothing, created more than 150 boxes for the homeless. Lucy Haynes, a care assistant at Latimer Court Care Home, said, I wanted to raise donations for the homeless this year as I went through a personal experience of being at risk of homelessness myself. I thought to myself, this is how I feel just being at risk of homelessness and how must someone homeless feel? I'm also aware of someone who uses Mag's Day Centre and has heard about their work in, in the past. I'm truly grateful for every donation I have received, so thank you. Latimer Court Care Home and Barbourne Ex Services Club served as collection points for the donations. The collected items were then delivered to the charity's clothing project, which caters to the immediate needs of first-time rough sleepers and those who have found and those who have found housing. Melissa Blewett, marketing and relations officer at Mag's Day Centre, said, "The team at Mag's are amazed by Lucy's hard work on securing donations for us, and her fantastic work will mean that our services will be stocked for our service users to benefit from for a long period. The number of rough sleepers has doubled in the last few months." So now more than ever we are feeling the demand to ensure that our service users have access to the best possible service we can provide to make their current living situation more bearable. Thank you Lucy for thinking of Mags and helping us bring cheer to the homeless this Christmas. The charity operates across Worcestershire and has two day centres in Worcester and Malvern along with four temporary accommodation properties for rough sleepers. For the latest news, visit www.worcesternews.co.uk. Well, now we've come to the end of this evening's recording. I do hope you have enjoyed hearing all the articles and also the useful information. Many thanks to the team, Penny, Moira, Richard and Alex, and also Carol and the admin team who work so hard in the background. We hope you'll tune in for next week's offering. So for now, from us all, good night and goodbye. And now some useful telephone numbers. You have our number here at the 
Talking News Centre, Police Non-Emergency 101 and NHS Direct 111. Out of hours medical assistance 6pm to 8pm 0300 12332111. Crime Stoppers 0800 Community Risk Team Fire Safety 0800-032-1155 Domestic Abuse Helpline 0800-980-331 Worcestershire County Council Here to Help Worcester, that's 01905 768053, request option 3. Worcester Hub, Worcester 765765. Sense Adventures, Walking for the Visually Impaired, telephone D. Jones on 01684 819796. Samaritans, it's a free phone number. 116123 Worcester Theatre's box office Worcester 611427 Malvern Theatre box office 01684 892277 Norbury Theatre Droitwich box office Worcester 770154 Number 8 Theatre, Pershaw, Box Office, 01386-55488. National Grid, formerly Western Power, a 24-hour service, 0800-917-7953. Use this in the event of a power cut and there's a priority register free on 0800-032-8302 who will provide information, for example, in Braille, large print or alternative languages. And lastly, the obituaries for the week. Stan Mool, Eve's Batch near Worcester, passed away peacefully on the 24th of December 2023. A private service and cremation has been arranged at his request. George Reed, MBE, passed away peacefully on the 6th of December 2023 after a bravely fought illness, aged 78 years. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Friday the 5th of January at 1.45pm. No flowers by request, please, but donations if desired for St Richard's Hospice. Derek Turner passed away peacefully after a short illness on the 16th of December 2023, aged 85 years. The funeral service has already taken place, 
but donations are invited for Hartval Voice and Vale Wildlife Hospital. Sandra Demari of Worcester passed away peacefully in hospital on the 16th of December 2023, aged 71 years. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium Chapel on Wednesday the 10th of January at 10.45am, followed by interment at Astwood Cemetery. Family flowers only, please, but donations, if desired, for the MS Society. Tony Evans, retired BT engineer, passed away peacefully at his home on the 15th of December 2023, aged 80 years. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on the 12th of January 2024 at 11.30am. Dark clothing not essential. All are welcome to join for a reception with refreshments at the Blackpole Inn, WR3 8SQ at 12.30. Family flowers only, please. Donations, if desired, for St Richard's Hospice. Graham John Berry passed away peacefully at home on December the 25th, 2023, aged 80. A funeral service will be held at the Vale Crematorium Fladbury on Monday, January the 22nd at 11am. Family flowers only. Donations in Graham's memory are invited for Acorns Children's Hospice. Roslyn Nancy Hill, or Ros of Pershaw, Passed away peacefully on December the 22nd, 2023, aged 93 years. Funeral service at the Vale Crematorium Fladbury on Monday, January the 15th at 3pm. Family flowers only, please, and donations if desired for Acorns Children's Hospice. Charles Philip Langston peacefully passed away at home on Saturday the 16th of December, 2023, aged 74 years. Funeral service shall take place on Tuesday the 9th of January 2024 at Worcester Crematorium at 14.30. Family flowers only, but donations if desired to British Heart Foundation and RSPCA. All friends and family welcome after the funeral for refreshments at the White Hart Fernal Heath. And John Hodges of Worcester passed away peacefully in hospital on the 16th of December 2023, aged 83 years. The funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Tuesday the 9th of January at 1.45pm. Family flowers only, please, but donations if desired for the British Heart Foundation or Acorns Children's Hospice Trust. And also Gerald Michael Hodgetts. Mick passed away peacefully at home on the 11th of December 2023, aged 86 years. The funeral service will take place at Worcester Crematorium on Wednesday 10th of January 2024 at 1pm. Family flowers only, please, with donations to Acorns Children's Hospice. 